0: There was this age of the internet where you needed people to curate it.
1: Some of the outlets that would just churn these things out, they are chop shops. So you were at a massive disadvantage because you were playing by the rules. Do you
0: at all regret being so thorough? there ended up being a lot of companies that were just kind of snake oil. I recognized that Kickstarters had a tremendous fail rate. You could just Kickstart any idea and get a bunch of money regardless of if the thing made any sense at all.
1: How, How does somebody know when it's time to kill a project? When has something run its course? When do they pull the plug on that? How do they know? Do you think that you pulled the plug on Mindblow at the right time, or should you have done it sooner?
0: Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. This is the home of Make Something Mean Something. We are live on Discord with all of our patrons, our $2 Tots, our dumpster crew, our infantry, our illustrious baby gang. We're also here... With some non patrons, some future patrons. This episode is open to everyone because we are going to be talking. What are we talking about, Matthew Tabor? What are we talking about today? Well, look, I advertised this in the
1: Discord as uh, let me pull it up. Let me pull up the announcement so I can read it uh, verbatim here. Um, We'll be talking about how Kevin is a murderer, what he murdered, and why he murdered him. You're a killer. (laughs) <laughs> and everybody needs to know that that you have uh, just wantonly committed murder in the past, uh, and we get so many questions about it. Literally every single day, we were talking with with Dan uh, just a few minutes ago about how it truly is every day. People asking where this this show of yours went, and as you and I have talked about it over over the years, there's actually a lot to it. And it's something that is uh, interesting for you and Vsauce too, but it's also interesting in in its broad, uh, kind of broad importance to how you approach creative things. So we are going to talk about mind blow and how you killed it. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. the first thing is what what is Mind Blow for the, the people who do not remember Vsauce 2 back in the day?
0: Well, first of all, the first thing it's not is Mind Blown. And that's one of the funniest things to me over the years was the the mistake that almost everybody made with the name of the show is calling it Mind Blown. Like past Throwing tense, like the your, end, Yeah, yeah. Uh, at yeah. the end? Like your mind blown. Well, but was you have blown. your mind
1: blown. That's what you watch the show and it's, you know, your mind is blown. Like... After you watching kind of it, that's it. why the name
0: of the show is "Mind Blow." <laughs> so like this sh- is a mind blow
1: that will leave your mind blown.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why it was called that. If it was mind blown, then um, you know, you wouldn't need to watch the show. I don't think you, you're already kind of amazed. So the, the show itself was mind blow. And I gotta be honest, I genuinely don't remember when it was named that. The, the way that it started was that, um, Michael, when, when Michael and I were first making videos on Vsauce, on Vsauce One, Vsauce Proper, Vsauce Main, um, he had created a, or he had made a video called Blow Your Mind. I think that's all it was titled. Okay. I think it was just Blow Your Mind, like all in caps. And in that video, he just ran through some visual illusions, I think, and- Uh, Something along those lines, just kind of like Easter eggs. I don't know. Anyway, um, he had asked me if I wanted to do more videos like that. Like, I think that video did well. He didn't want to keep doing them. You know, he had his shows that he was doing regularly, like IMG, probably Loot at that time, and maybe- Because this
1: was all on the same channel, right? At this time, you and Michael are both doing shows on Vsauce.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. no, I'm wrong about Loot. Okay. That was always, I believe, on Vsauce 2 from the beginning. But we were both doing shows on both channels. Like, Michael had a, a couple shows on Vsauce, I think, and I had a couple shows, and then he had a couple shows on Vsauce 2, and I had a couple shows on Vsauce 2. Um okay. As I recall, him making that Blow Your Mind video gave him the idea of, like, just making more videos like that and... Either he decided to call it Mind Blow and make it like a recurring show or I did. I don't really remember. But anyway, that's where the show started was let's find some things on the internet that are like riddles and illusions and things you didn't know about like Easter eggs and movies and video games. And that'll be a series.
1: So it was generally you're going to get a few minutes of really cool things.
0: Yeah, like things... Hey, hey, did you know that uh, this sound effect from Golden Axe was actually uh, resampled from First Blood? Like, that was one of the things, <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure. It was just like weird stuff like that. Um, eventually, somehow, Mindblow got moved over to Vsauce 2. I think maybe when I started doing Vsauce 2 exclusively, and it also turned into a science show. It turned into like a science news show.
1: Okay, so it evolved into that over time from just uh, like what you, what you described at the beginning is kind of trivia, uh, and I can see that evolving into new tech and science and, and having your mind blown by innovation as opposed to interesting factoids.
0: Yeah, I kind of ran out, I think, of the factoids. Maybe I just kind of burned through them and was <laughs> unable to find things that I thought were mind blowing. Um, yeah, it also you hit the some, end of the
1: internet. You reached the end, nothing was interesting anymore. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you do now? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I crashed <laughs> into the brick wall at the end of the internet. <laughs> um, it's It's so funny at this point that I'm like not even able to really coherently remember the how the evolution went but the great thing about the internet is you could just <laughs> look at the videos and you could see because they they're all up and they're still there and you could just see how it changed but um yeah then it started being more about innovation technology and scientific breakthroughs and that was really popular because i was able to find things that were really amazing like across scientific disciplines so it could be like something some crazy animal uh, you know from biology or some new like dinosaur uh, or then it could be something in robotics um or like a new energy frontier stuff like that and okay. then a lot of the internet's just started being that and it's hard to talk about this now because we so quickly take for granted like the way the internet is like our, our brains just change and get and adapt so quickly to it's hard to almost remember what it was like, you know, eight years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long. But in internet years, it was a lifetime. And it started getting to the point where, like, the type of stuff that would go in mind blow, you would just see everywhere on, like, Facebook or Twitter or BuzzFeed or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those sites, um, kind of, I can't even list them all now like is refinery 29 one of them uh the it seems like facebook was loaded 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 oh no that refinery 29 is yeah a young women's focused digital media company owned by vice so i'm not entirely wrong but but the format did change to uh kind of compilations of things and if it wasn't if it wasn't specifically a series of cool things like you're talking about. It was conceptually a series of kind of fast moving tidbits and that got extremely common everywhere. And by 2016, pretty much every video that was autoplaying
0: on any site had that format. Yeah. It was like aggregating. It was aggregating stuff. And yeah, in the beginning, Vsauce was built upon aggregating stuff Like, like the fact that one of the most popular early shows on Vsauce was IMG was literally just Michael finding funny pictures and putting it in a video is (laughs) amazing. But at that time, like that was really fun. It was that show was great at that time because there wasn't really an easy way to find those funny pictures. So Michael would scour the Internet, find a bunch of funny pictures and turn it and, you know, add his own very funny commentary to it. And it was a great show, but eventually the internet just kind of caught up in a way where you sort of just didn't need those videos anymore. Cause you were almost inundated with that stuff. It was just everywhere.
1: This reminds me of something that w- we can take a step back, like further back and see, because this one is so good because it's gone now. Like the cycle has uh it, it did it did its boom and then it's bust and now we don't even think of it. Email forwarding, like forwarding a funny email with a picture or a joke or something like that to everybody on your email list used to be a thing.
0: Yeah, a big thing.
1: 2002. Yeah, everybody did it. It was the only way to really distribute anything to the people you knew because uh you know, only kids were on MySpace and there wasn't anything Any platform, a handful of people had blogs, but if you wanted to just show everybody something, you had to forward that email. Well, eventually that became a super boomer thing to do. The only people (laughs) forwarding emails, it was like, you know, 81 year olds who didn't know any better. And now even they don't do it. Nobody does this because Facebook really has been the thing to replace it Uh, for younger people other sites like Twitter and and all that. But, but the boomers, you know, they, they had a platform to show people on Facebook and it didn't matter whether anybody engaged with it or not. It was the same uh, posting there and sharing something is the same as, as hitting forward To all used to be with email, but that was a thing that was necessary at the time. So it's weird to think that Michael finding funny pictures and in goofing on them was valuable, but it absolutely was the same way that email forwards were valuable in, in, you know, 2001. Uh, So how many of these episodes did you do? Like, so you've solidified Mind Blow as a format. It fits in nicely with some of the other shows like IMG and eventually. Uh, loot uh, and some of the others. How long is is Mind Blow running?
0: Uh, I I think it stopped at a hundred and thirteen or something like that. Somewhere around In, that, a hundred and seventeen. I don't know. And 18. how
1: frequent were these? Like, I'm trying to do the math here. If it must have been close to every week or every other week.
0: Oh, I think it was every other week. I think it was like two a month because. Then I would just create other shows to, to kind of create a time gap in like being able to find new things. Like I needed there to be enough time passed okay. uh, to be able to find like another batch to make up a video. So that's when shows like BDP, I created BDP, which was, it stood for build it, draw it, play it. That was like an art show um, where I would just showcase like cool artwork or cool uh, music videos. Uh, cool builds that people were doing, and that was a similar thing too. It was like it was just there was this age of the internet where you needed people to curate it. It was just all it was just all over the place, um, and there wasn't so much of it that you were overwhelmed by it. It, it, it. I don't know. It's like weird to think about now, but it seemed like at that time, you know, the, it was like once a week there was like a fresh batch of a handful of cool things to talk about and it made for some really great videos. And eventually like a combination of just way, way, way more cool stuff happening. And it also just being served to you constantly by things like mashable and wired and popular science or like I F L or whatever that I I F L S S
1: yes. Because you You bleeping love science
0: if you subscribe to that, right? Yeah. Seeker, like Seeker still to this day, I see on my timeline and it's just my blow. Like Seeker is just my blow. They have like a whole, they have a whole, and I believe it's owned by Discovery. So it's like, okay, so Discovery created their own subsidiary network online that essentially is one show that I do on Vsauce 2 and they have a whole team of people That was going to be the next thing that I went into about mind blow. It took me five days to make one episode and that's way too long. That's it's an eternity on the internet. So by the time I would be done with the video, everybody's seen this stuff before. So what's the point of the video? They have. Yeah. At a, at a certain point, the cycle,
1: the cycle tightens up so much and other people are very good at being quicker. And like, and it's, it's not, it's not that, it's not that you were slow or inefficient or anything you were actually, you know, and I remember back when, when you were in this process, cause I would send you things that I would see because occasionally it would be a helpful, you know, a helpful thing like, oh, check out this thing. Um, but yeah, it's not that you had any problem with it. It's just, how do you compete with a staff of nine people who are, uh churning for one of these companies just sitting there and several are doing the research and several others are sourcing footage and uh one more is writing and like, they're almost able to record edit and publish this in close to real time.
0: Well, uh, yeah, that's kind of what happened yeah. with them. Yeah. Well, they would put out you ha- stories yeah. that I would have used as a title and thumbnail. Uh-huh. Um, they would do one-offs on that topic. So, I can't remember what seeker was called. It went through like several name changes, but that was um, part of their
1: campaign when it was
0: like Seek the World or something like that, right? Gosh. I don't I think it was Test Tube before Seeker, and then I think it was something else before that even. Uh I don't remember. But essentially Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some some topics, some like robot hand or like artificial skin or something that would have been like a really great title and thumbnail. They would make a video on just that topic. um, Essentially, you know, the day that the news broke. So then I couldn't use that, you know, five days later or even three days later or two days later when I was able to put out a mind blow. So I'd have to scrap that story, find another one that was less clickable and less interesting
1: uh, D news, by the way,
0: does that D-news. sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kept thinking D live in my head for something. No, uh, for some reason it was D news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, D news became seeker, but, but I, I want you to, to describe the process of, of making a mind blow, because I think it's critical to understanding why the, why the competition heated up the way it did. Like, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, a bunch of people, can can churn this out quickly and then you know you went into some detail on that but i think there's another level to it so you find the things that are really cool that are worth uh making a mind blow out of and how many how many things roughly would be in one of the episodes oh geez Uh, i think maybe about 10 or 12 okay so let's say you've got 10 things one of them i'm assuming that only one thing was was the feature that was in the title and thumb
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, like the thing that seemed like would be the best title or thumbnail. Um, yeah, that would be like the main, the main story. Yeah. Okay. And they were about, about five minutes long. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. So you've got 10
1: ideas. One has to be a hero idea that you can build the title and thumb around. You need, well, probably 60 seconds on that. And then like 20 second bursts, you know, 30 second bursts on the other nine things. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you do? You have to show this on video. Like, it's one thing if if you if we jammed a segment into this podcast, that's like, let's do 10 things in five minutes. It would be really easy. We just make that list of 10 things and then talk about it. Mm-hmm. But that's not what what you would do on a YouTube video. So you've come up with your list of stuff. Then what do you do? Well, part
0: of the, the list of stuff was always, always took a couple of days because. it it couldn't just be a good story. It also had to have like some sort of visual accompaniment, 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 accompaniment. Okay. Some, some sort of visual component. (laughs) Um, and luckily a lot of scientific papers and stuff. If, if you really scoured the literature and you knew where to look, you could often find video, uh, video bits. um, that might not have been, you know, on the, the Popsi or the New Scientist article, but are, you know, buried within the actual literature. So, yeah, so it have to be something that sounded mind-blowing, something that sounded groundbreaking um, to, you know, to the audience. Something that I haven't already covered before, because after a hundred of these, you start to get some <laughs> overlap in the topics, Um, and unless it's like a significant update to an old thing, which I I did start doing towards the end of the show, I would start, yeah, updating some projects, but most of them wouldn't even have updates, even though it had been several years. Um, yeah, it had to have a good visual component too. Cause I like showing the things and not just, it wasn't a vlog, you know, it wasn't like, I think that maybe if, if it was more, I guess like Phil DeFranco style where it was like me telling you the Uh news. Uh, I could have turned them around quicker, but Mm. I liked the idea of it being like a show, like a really entertaining video and not just guy talking at me. So I liked having those visual components. So yeah, I would spend a couple of days finding those 10 things, finding all of the visual assets I could possibly find to rep. And sometimes it was hard to, up with things that were also like public domain because i wanted you know right. there's licensing issues too i wasn't just yeah really like ripping random stuff from the internet so it often and a drove. lot of
1: people were at that time
0: i mean they, they, they would just are. grab anything <laughs> that fit yeah 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 i didn't <laughs> want to call people out but but the
1: the system for uh dealing with that identifying uh use that is not fair use that was not that was not uh excellent and, and like finely tuned in 2014, it was really a lawless land, uh, for the most part, at least compared to now. And I, and I remember you really sticking to, uh, sticking to doing the right thing on that, staying within the confines of what you knew, uh, legal fair use was, uh, and only that, and, and, giving credit to, to every possible source, uh, as, really as specifically and outwardly as you possibly could. And I know, th- I know that took you a lot of time too. And, and some of these, some of the outlets that would just churn these things out, they are chop shops. Oh my god. You know, gosh. it's like when yeah. people have like cars stolen and, and, you know, they take it to a place, uh, in a back alley that like rips it apart and sells the pieces. Uh, that's <laughs> what a lot of those places were doing with information. So you were at a massive disadvantage because you were playing by the rules.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's weird to say that, but that's definitely true because it, it takes a lot of time to play by the rules. It took a, some sometimes it would take, you know, an hour just to find a primary source on something because even a lot of these publications yeah. that talk about science news do not link to the primary source. They won't even link to <laughs> the right. literature or the paper that they're writing about. So then you have to like no. Search the researcher's name or the university and see if the public, you know, whatever, like the nature doc, um, article or the JSTOR or whatever article is like viewable. And um, yeah, watermarking the video to, you know, the proper attribution, all of that stuff took forever. And you're right. If other people just don't care, <laughs> ignore all that stuff, then it's way easier. It takes a lot less time and effort to just throw the thing out there. Um, But look, if I were by myself and I weren't part of like the Vsauce network, maybe I would have cared less, maybe. But it's not my reputation on the line. It's my reputation. Not yours alone. It's Michael's reputation. It's Jake's reputation. Like I can't blow that for everyone. So like I have to be overly thorough because it's not just my neck on the line if I screw up, you know what I mean? Mind blow, more like reputation blow.
1: <laughs> oh, it's true. It's you would have been in a much stronger position if you hadn't played by the rules. Like that is absolute fact that had you had you picked up footage from other places, not cared about communicating with people, with with ironing out details, and when you were doing mind blow, like this is when you and I really started to talk about, uh, talk about the work and you would ask, like we would, we would talk about things where you would put effort into getting something exactly right, which you still do, which is why there haven't been substantial problems on Vsauce too. Uh, but, uh, y- you would make sure that, that something was extremely well sourced, that you got to the absolute bottom of, of what that source was, um, if you weren't sure if there was another possible way that this thing was valuable that you hadn't considered, you would talk to people to find out, you know, like maybe this thing has like a psychology benefit that nobody's thinking of, or maybe, uh, maybe there's like an economics play here that I'm not considering. Well, you did that for, for most, all of the things in mind blow. And I don't think that's something that a whole lot of people were doing at the time or do now. Um, do you at all regret being so thorough?
0: Mm, I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think I regret it. I think that it was kind of the way I was happy with it. You know? Uh, I mean, to, to, to illustrate a point about like, Oh, maybe being like overly thorough. I, I would go through the description and timestamp the sources. So like, if I talked about some sort of like flying vehicle concept at four minutes and 23 seconds, you could go into the description and see four minute twenty three second like the name of the thing, who did it, and then the primary sources to like follow their work. But you know, what you're saying is you basically invented chapters on YouTube, kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of did kind of it was yeah, it's doing chapters, yeah, six years before YouTube was. um but yeah, I mean, there were plenty of channels that erupted around me that were just, you know, kind of doing the a trivia thing without really knowing too much about whether it was f- f- right or wrong, didn't source anything. Like, their descriptions would just be blank, like literally mm-hmm. have no sources whatsoever. And, I mean, you know how, f- how uh, false so many of those... Oh. those trivia tidbits are because you've been running oh. into that with the TikToks. where like everything in these trivia books, is like half right at best. Oh, if that,
1: if that, it like, I, I was talking to, it was either you or John Swan about this, about how it would be viable to make a channel that is purely starting from this thing. That's wrong. Like the videos are taking this very confident bit of trivia that is utter trash it's not at all accurate uh, in getting to the actual truth on it but starting from from the lie basically and the it's so strange how it develops um there was one that that i was looking at the other day where i read it i knew it was absolutely a lie there's no possible way that it's true but i googled the phrasing on it and it was like four or five pages of results repeating that and that's really what happens is when one when when there's like one authority on this everybody else copies it and that's why you had a hard time chasing down the primary sources on a lot of those scientific studies because one place will write the article that's usually based mostly on a press release from a university that is not necessarily communicating the study well in the first place but yep. the article will get written and then all the other outlets will Summarize that. And sometimes outlets uh, that are smaller, slower, uh, less professional ones like blogs, they will summarize the summaries. And then some people cite the blogs. I mean, you get like five generations away from the original material here. Uh, it's maddening, but it does mean that a lot of information is just flat out garbage. It's completely wrong. I was thinking, uh, the other day, a thing, a thread popped up on Twitter that's, that was about book burning. And it's like, you know, the the worst thing in the world is burning books. I'm like, you know what I have? I bet I have 10 books in my possession that absolutely need to be burned. (laughs) because they're just completely like not as a censorship issue they're just completely <laughs> and totally valueless yeah. <laughs> just just as like a fuel issue just to like make <laughs> use of them <laughs> yeah these will be better roasting a hot dog than <laughs> I- anybody reading them and not only is it more useful that way but letting somebody read this book would actually be damaging to them
0: right yeah it, yeah, it will so. make
1: you dumber. It's one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it will lead somebody down the wrong path. Jake uh, Jake Roper of Vsauce Three is asking in the chat: Am I talking about YouTuber books? Only if Jake writes one. I'll burn if he if he writes one. I will buy a copy, get the first edition signed, and I will burn it on stream. <laughs> and will you
0: roast a hot dog over it? Is is my question. <laughs> Yes, yeah.
1: so I'll roast the hot dog and then eat the weenie. <laughs>
0: it's perfect. Um.
1: So what happened though? Okay, so you've talked about building this up. You've got 100 episodes. It starts to become a crowded kind of marketplace on YouTube and Facebook and all that for this type of content. What do you see beginning to happen? And when do you realize you've got a problem?
0: So, so what I did at that point is I stopped. Uh, Mind blow stopped being things that other people would be able to find easily so what i started doing was i started going into like the dark crevices of of science releases of of those like public relations from universities and stuff and finding news there like doing real reporter work you know like doing like actual research like scouring the universities, university of the university of michigan northwestern like washington whatever seeing what they were putting out um and then reporting on it and i did that for a while i think that i ended up doing mind blow that way for a couple of years um because i knew that other people weren't going to be really talking about that stuff because it was too hard to find it was it was (laughs) it was just too much work um to actually read like the new science literature and translate mm. it kind of myself in a way um i want to point to out people. like
1: this is this jumps on what you are saying but i i i know you won't say it the failure rate on this stuff is incredibly high how many things did you read to get to 10 things where you had the one hero you had a nice narrative a nice pace in a video how many things do you think you read and then realized they weren't interesting enough or it wasn't what you thought it would be when you started reading. How many items of content did you have to go through to get down to the 10 and mind blow? Uh, probably a hundred. It was like two, it was okay. two, two full days of work. Uh, 50 so. things in a day to, to give them serious consideration to know what they're about and think about it and decide whether it fits. That's, that's a lot of stuff for a day or two. It's all I did.
0: <laughs> this, yeah. this is all i
1: did i didn't do anything I actually, else yeah i actually remember talking to you back then this was like aol instant messenger days like sometimes i would i would shoot you a message and you'd be like hey researching mind blow i'll talk to you wednesday
0: yeah 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 you were just out of commission for for like days at a time yeah it wasn't that i didn't want to talk to you i didn't talk to anybody <laughs> like yeah. i was just working um because I wanted to find the best things, and and you know that worked out for another couple of years, and mind blow stayed afloat and stayed relevant and was still cool. Um, and eventually, that wore out its welcome too. Um, and I think that's for a few reasons. One of the reasons is that, like mind, like the concept of mind blowing scientific progress that is rare (laughs) like yeah uh it it kind of is it it just (laughs) doesn't happen that often and to keep pretending like every two weeks there's going to be a dozen scientific breakthroughs that are going to make your head explode because they're so amazing is absurd Mm. yeah it is the pace of The pace of coolness is like,
1: you can definitely find cool things every week. You can find 10 interesting things that are worth your time and everybody else's. Uh, but how often do you think, what do you think is a reasonable pace for finding something that is a mind blow at this point? Like, let's say 2020, if you were to do mind blow now, and you wanted to make sure that everything in it was mind blowing, everybody left with a mind blown, how often would you release
0: I don't know. Uh, Cuz the thing is is like, you know, we did that episode with Chris Reagan a few months back. Yep. Um and I don't know how we got onto this topic. I think I was talking about like toilet seat innovation and then we got onto the subject of like what would actually blow your mm. mind at this point, scientifically right. or, or technologically. About, and yeah, how iPhones were
1: huge, right? Was that the conversation?
0: Yeah, I guess I was just saying that like that incremental like hydraulic slow release toilet seat that I got um, (laughs) is such a little thing, but it makes a really big difference that I don't have to like manually lower the whole seat every time I can just tap it and it like slowly goes down without slamming. But the point is, is like that stuff happens often. There are like these little tiny incremental like baby step um, (laughs) advancements that occur. But like no one's getting excited about how my toilet seat silently shuts. No, no. It the thing that then everyone just accepts yeah. it, like, oh yeah, that's the way toilets are now. Whatever, who cares? My my
1: recent mind blow is uh, using Amazon Alexa for for lights. Okay, I, I'm like oddly obsessed with uh, setting up, you know, little devices that play music here and there and and you know being able to turn the lights on and off from a different room you know using my phone or voice like this is is nuts to me it's like Star um, Trek it is yeah yeah and my house as well is very old right and so it's not built with any modern convenience at all you know it's probably 1880s and so having just the slightest little bit of convenience is crazy absolutely crazy to me uh, but when you think about it uh, what if I'm talking to somebody sometime in the future, and I'm like, "Well, tw- in 2020, I got light bulbs that I could activate, I could turn them on and off with my voice." In 2010, I had to walk to the next room. Uh, I had to walk <laughs> down the stairs and flip the switch. It's like a switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah They'd be like, "Okay, so what? Like, yeah. it's cool that that little incremental change happened. You calling it incremental was perfect because that's what it is. But ultimately, ultimately, it's not like my parents talking about." Like, yeah, I remember, I remember when the, the polio vaccine came out, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like these are completely different things. And it's not like when the iPhone debuted, um, and all of a sudden the, the phone in your pocket was a lot more than, than something that, that just made phone calls. That was a much bigger shift than I think a lot of people realize now, but they're just like that conversation with Chris Reagan, there haven't been significant leaps, um, just haven't been so when you've got this series that is built on mind-blowing significant
0: leaps what do you do well so the reason i brought up chris reagan's reaction to that question was that i think you posed a question of like what would impress us what would blow our yeah. minds and my answer was teleportation like to me yeah, teleportation would unlock things that we absolutely cannot imagine and reagan was like pretty much nothing he was like even teleportation you know like three days later i'd be like uh oh, whatever <laughs> like yeah i would just <laughs> like he, he he just feels so numb to this sort of thing and i don't think he's alone in that i think a lot of us now are kind of i don't know why so cynical and so jaded to amazing things but maybe it but we definitely take them for granted and and maybe it is just that, like you say, um, I don't know. The things are on such a smaller scale compared to going from like steamboats to aeroplanes <laughs> that right. it's like, yeah, right. whatever. I can turn my lights off by talking to them. Who cares? Right. And I
1: was I was researching a couple things and, and putting some information together the other day. And there was this realization that um yeah. The flight happened in 1903. We're on the moon in 1969. So in, six, in 66 years, we went from putting something in the air for a few seconds to landing on the moon. But that's not a shift that that happens as much because that, that frontier isn't quite there. You know, I think about data here, and I don't know if you ever did this but did you would you ever have to install an operating system from floppy disks back in the day? Mm, I remember booting from floppy disks. Mm. So I had to install Windows 95 with a series of probably 60 or 65 floppy disks.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. You would put disk one in, start the process, it would ask for disk two, you know, and you'd sit there and swap disks and feed it for like three hours. Those were uh 1.44 megabytes i think yeah i think that yeah okay sounds right um right now my internet connection that i didn't do anything special to get i don't live in any crazy hub i'm not i don't have some high tech office or anything that connection transfers the equivalent of 600 of those floppy disks in 1 second right well that's a massive shift that's more than incremental to go from um 65 discs over three hours installation to 600 discs in literally like a snap of a finger, a true instant. Mm -hmm. That's big. That unlocks a lot of different things. Um, but again, it's not, it's not like cancer is cured. You know, it's, it, it just, it just hasn't happened like that. And I don't know what could happen. Um, yeah, that would be a mind blow. Yeah. I don't know either, because even when you talk about
0: things, if the chat,
1: by the way, in in the chat, if you've got a mind blow, if you have a true mind blow here, throw it out there. Let's see if you can get well, one that we do Well, someone in the have. chat
0: talked, mentioned space travel, and I think even that, maybe, maybe the problem is like movies and TV shows, like things possible in movies and TV shows. Uh, you know, we vicariously experience them, so that if they were to happen in real life, we're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, like hyperspeed travel yeah I know I, I, I've seen that an, Captain Kirk had that in like 50 years ago I don't know yeah but because even space travel like people are not excited about that like going to Mars people are very cynical about that as well which would be
1: insane would be
0: if we were able yeah. to do that like the the technology like the hurdles involved mm-hmm. in manned spaceflight to Mars and back. I mean, forget, forget about just getting there, getting back to earth from Mars. Uh, that's a big deal. It's insane. And yeah. I don't know, like people some are people- saying space
1: in the chat, by the way. So like, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Menard uh, says SpaceX's Falcon nine landing for the first time. That was a mind blow for him. Um, uh, Charles Kahn, you know, saying like, uh, a spacewalk. I mean, that getting normal people to be able to do those things, that, that would be pretty big um yeah and uh and andre apm says the spacex boosters landing still creep him out and i i get that it shouldn't happen like when i when I watch that it's like no this this really shouldn't be possible uh but here it is and dan yoshua says growing organs that's that's pretty that's significant there's some medical things that we don't uh we don't see a whole lot of that are actually pretty advanced um I bet growing like a, a true facility, a facility that could truly provide meat, lab grown meat for an entire country. That would be a pretty significant sea change.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. That that's true. That one I would buy into. Yeah. Yeah. Food, uh, food developments would be really big. Yeah. Health developments would be really big food developments would be really big because because ultimately you're talking about things that significantly move the needle on everyday life for people um and the other thing that i wanted to add um well two things that i want to add about you know the 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 journey of mind blow Mm -hmm. coming to an end eventually one is that uh there was just a lot of repeats it was like at some point you know, doing like the fifth story about some sort of mind control prosthetic. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's not that it's not still amazing, but at the same time, it's like, it's still a prototype. It still has a lot of problems. We're still like really far, like flying cars too. It's another thing. Uh, And this leads into the second thing, I guess the second thing I was going to say is that there ended up being a lot of companies that were just kind of snake oil. Like they would promise to, Oh, we're going to start, we're going to start sending like normal people, average citizens to the moon. And you're going to be able to buy a ticket, like just a plane ticket. And and you're going to go there and it's going to happen. Like in the next two years, we promise or, or the same thing with Mars. We're going to do a reality TV show on Mars mars and you just need to like invest in this company but we're definitely going to do it and um it's gonna happen and um don't worry about the logistics or the science but um that's what we're doing or uh we totally uh just came up with the first ever flying car and um yeah we there's no audio because it's extremely loud and would make your like eardrums pop if you actually heard how loud this thing was but don't worry about that (laughs) it's a flying car and you should invest in us and Eventually it's like, I'm not going to report on these. I don't know what you call them, but it was almost like charlatans. Yeah. Like they're,
1: they're speculative projects that have, when, when you tend to get to the bottom of them, there's one little piece of a thing that might be happening. That is a component of the thing that they're promising. Like that tends to be the reality is that they've got this little advance. That is a tiny little part of a potentially very big thing. Uh, you get those you get, well, you do get straight up charlatan liars. <laughs> you know, you get, uh, you get places that make huge promises and then try to sort them out. Uh, what, oh, what's the name of the documentary and the company um, of the woman, the very young woman, Elizabeth, something uh, who had the, the medical testing device that, you know, blew this company up into a fairly large operation, but couldn't actually make the device. There was a great documentary about this on HBO. Uh, somebody helped me. Somebody helped me in Elizabeth the chat. Holmes? Elizabeth Holmes. That's right. Yes. Elizabeth Holmes. So yeah, it was like, okay, here's a machine that's about the size of a photocopier, maybe smaller. And you get this tiny little, uh, prick of blood on your finger. And this machine will run hundreds of blood tests in half an hour and this is the ultimate diagnostic advance that we've been looking for right the inventor is what it's called it is an excellent excellent documentary came about it came out about a year ago um well she had kind of a rough concept for this but didn't actually have a prototype didn't have a whole lot of problems worked out like uh if you do have many different tests in one device, they require different conditions. Um, you know, there are contamination issues. Uh, There are a thousand practical, very practical things stopping this project from happening. Um, when they did finally get a prototype, uh, it was, you know, it worked pretty poorly, but they promised, uh, CVS, Walgreens, uh, I think Walmart as well. They promised everybody that, we're going to put this device in your store and everybody's going to be able to come here, get their finger pricked. And that's it. No more going to the hospital for diagnostics. Uh, That's a mind blow. That's totally a legitimate headliner for an episode of mind blow. Well, it was fake. (laughs) It was fake. She had no clue. Charles Kahn is, is being specific about this now. Said she had no programming knowledge uh, or any real idea of how to put it together. And I, I remember her not being able to, uh, have a sense of how to design the machine itself, you know, but I'd forgotten about the programming part too. You can imagine how complex this device would, would need to be <laughs> to do all of these things. Uh, a complete and utter lie. Sorry to derail on that, but it's such a good example. And That's the kind of thing that you were, you were dealing with over and over and over week after week, trying to make it. So you weren't going to relay a lie.
0: No, I didn't want to be a cheerleader. Yeah. For, people who were like either actively trying to take advantage of people or yeah just trying to get money and then whatever get rich quick schemes or you know had great intentions but you know the thing actually wouldn't actually had a million problems that it was just not worth getting like hyped over so so then it became a point where it's like okay now do i have to spend like a week like researching this company as deeply as I possibly can to like figure out whether or not like, this is a scam. It's like, yeah, at some point it, there's just, there's just, there's just too many hurdles to clear. And, um, and that's it. It's like, there are too many hurdles to clear. The last hurdle that I can think of for mind blow was just how YouTube changed. So YouTube started, um, um, started rewarding watch time. So like longer videos, yeah, Um, were rewarded. The and
1: when did the ten minute threshold kick in? Where what year? Ads changed. Yeah. Do you remember that? I don't.
0: At this point it was kind of a while ago. I think it was I don't know, man. We were just talking about how hard it is to understand to like remember internet years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chinchilla in the it's chat the said twenty sixteen, and that's what I was thinking. I think he's right. I think that's yeah, a that's solid guess. Right. Twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mind blow was like a five minute show, and then all of a sudden like YouTube wanted ten plus minute videos, and it's like, okay, now I have to make a twice as long video just to kind of that's almost make, too long. Make YouTube happy, yeah. And for the yeah. format, it is kind of long. That it format. is you do kind of get yeah. tired after a while. What you of had the mind yeah.
1: blows. What you had is kind of like a pop song. You know, that's the format of of mind blow. Is this high energy pop song? And imagine. Imagine like telling Lady Gaga like all your all your songs have, have to be 11 minutes now.
0: Yeah, or, or write else, a
1: song that yeah, going to be radio shiny. Won't play them. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, write a 13-minute earworm once a week, please. Yeah, it's that's just true. not tenable like that. So as this is happening, you're getting served less views, th- they start to go down then.
0: Yeah, because the other thing was that the culture and expectations of the audience on YouTube also changed. So like no longer could I title and thumbnail a mind blow with one story. And then when the audience clicks the video, they get like 19 other things they didn't ask for. Does that make sense? Mm, Yes. That was just a format problem where, you know, I would title the video, whatever, like invisibility cloak, I don't know, whatever. And then you click the video and it's like, here's a dinosaur and like, here's a a flying car and here's like some sort of like robot doing surgery on a grape (laughs) or whatever. Um, Oh, and here's also like the invisible invisibility cloak for like one minute out of like the five or six. You're almost daring people to be, to, to stick around. Well, yeah, you have to like, I don't know. It just made people mad. They're just like, Oh gosh. I didn't even think about this. So before we started recording, I created like a long list of problems that that, that Mindblow had over the years. Yeah. One of them that I completely forgot about until right now is that as YouTube changed and people, when they would click on a video, they expected to only hear about the thing in the title and thumbnail. They started to think that all of the other stuff were advertisements which was really okay. weird because they absolutely 100% were not. There were no, I don't think there was ever a single advertisement or brand deal in an episode of mind blow in 118 episodes. Maybe towards the end, I did like a couple for brilliant.org and audible or something. But prior to right, that, which fit, there was nothing. It was literally stuff from like university research labs. But for some reason in People's brains, unfamiliar with the show and unfamiliar with Vsauce 2, they click the video about, you know, like this uh, robot octopus. And then there's this video about like a bus powered by algae in the Netherlands. For some reason, they thought that like the bus powered by algae in Netherlands was an ad and they would get really mad about that.
1: Uh, that, That's I don't fully understand that. That's kind of irrational to me. Like <laughs> what's even being sold uh, stock in the company. Are you trying to, to get investments for your algae powered boss? That's weird. That's really strange.
0: I don't know, but there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't like, I don't know. What, what can I do at that point? Like, it was just like, all right, well, I, I don't know. Like clearly this format is over. It's confusing to right. people. Um, they think that like news stories or advertisements, I can't title and thumbnail things in a way that um, like audience meets audience expectations. The length of them, YouTube is not happy with and finding the stories poorly on the platform. Yeah. Finding the stories was an insane uphill battle and parsing which stories were like legitimate breakthroughs, which were definitely going nowhere and which were snake oil. Um, Like, for instance, here's another thing. Um, I purposefully stopped putting kickstarters on Mind Blow at some point because I recognized that kickstarters had a tremendous fail rate. Like the idea right. that you could just yeah. kickstart any idea and get a bunch of money, like regardless of if the thing made any sense at all. um, and that blew up in my face a couple of times. So then I had a rule, okay, no more Kickstarter or like Indiegogo stuff because the chances of that thing being complete garbage are really high.
1: Sure. No, that makes sense.
0: Uh, so
1: at a certain point, you decide that you've got to pull the plug on this. What did you do? Did you announce anything did you make a thing out of it did did people watching the last mind blow know they were watching the last mind blow
0: no no i i didn't and and i don't think that i had i had really kind of like an understanding of um how to talk to people about it i mean look i'm finally talking about it now publicly <laughs> for the first time in years since i stopped doing the show yeah. and that's just because Three like i almost. recognize after still getting that comment every time I make a tweet or every time I release a Vsauce 2 video or every time I make a Facebook post, bring back mind blow. It's like, all right, look, guys, (laughs) there are a lot of reasons why Mindblow stopped being a show. A lot of reasons. It's not just one thing. It's not because I got bored. It's not because I got tired of it. It's not because of- It was a lot of fun
1: to research, wasn't it?
0: yeah there's just there's I didn't get burned out on it. There's no like it's a multivariate problem that I tried to solve for a long time for years. you know, there was probably a solid year and a half or two years where I was clearing new hurdles all the time, and eventually, I just couldn't anymore. Just, there were just too many. I couldn't get over them <sighs> so you switched into. You just had to switch into something else. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing. Honestly, I say the other thing as if there haven't already been like 15 things. So that was the <laughs> the sixth <laughs> 16th reason um, is that it was very limiting for me creatively, quite honestly. Uh, it was a lot of, and I mean, I guess that's my fault. But at the same time, the format was so kind of locked in and ingrained that it was hard to deviate from after a hundred episodes, but Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of voiceover and delivering information like hard science. I didn't get to be weird. And like I started on YouTube as an outlet for being weird and um just pushing the boundaries of my ideas and imagination. And Mindblow didn't really do that. And, you know, I still don't really do that to the degree that I would like to. I do that more on my personal Twitter as anybody who follows my personal Twitter probably can attest to, um, the most, the most common response I get on my personal Twitter is why are you like this? But
1: (laughs) that's a, that's the most common DM that your wife sends me, but why is he like this? (laughs) Yeah. Followed by what was I thinking? What have I done? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, But at least with the the newer videos, um, the whiteboard videos, the logic videos, the paradox videos, I can inject stuff like balloon Kevin, you know, where, all right, I'm going to make a video about like the probability of surviving Russian roulette. Okay, how am I going to visualize that? Well, I have to shoot something. Okay, well, what am I going to shoot? Well, I could get like Nerf sells basically revolvers. Like Nerf, there are Nerf revolvers. Revolvers, so I could get a six-cylinder Nerf revolver. I could put a pin in one of the darts, and I could shoot like a balloon head. Um, <laughs> and then, what happened with that was I asked my wife to make me a balloon head because she is incredible at crafts, and I'm very, very bad, very bad at crafts. So I asked her, "Hey, can you make me a balloon head?" And then, like three hours later, she tells me to come downstairs, and she made. Balloon Kevin. That was not my idea. That That's was her awesome. idea. Just
1: organically appeared. Balloon Kevin. Just Balloon Kevin was a mutation
0: that just appeared and now is is there, always there. Yeah, but Balloon Kevin never would have never would have manifested in like Mind Blow two hundred and forty two. How could you? Yeah, N- nothing fit about it. The process
1: didn't allow you to do it. The format didn't allow you to put it in. Uh, we got a question earlier and i i didn't see who asked it um but i want to it's i want to bring it up now because it's kind of relevant would you be able to do a very long mind blow like 30 minutes on one topic um, would it be feasible to do like this incredible deep dive on one mind blow thing
0: well i don't know because the basic conceit of mind blow was that i was just going to tell you what was really exciting about a thing and that only Uh takes about a minute at most after that then you're kind of starting to get into i don't know like the nitty-gritty of it that not i don't think is a mind blow like i I think at that point you're just learning how something works rather than like that's not the mind-blowing part does that make sense
1: it does yeah it does there's a there's a lot of mundane stuff in mind-blowing things
0: like like A robot octopus is is mind blowing. Like here's this like perfectly articulated octopus tentacle or like robot butterfly or whatever. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing! But then spending like 29 minutes being like, anyway, so like Hans, you know Gustafsson (laughs) is the guy. Here he is. Hey Hans. Uh, So uh, when you were like writing the algorithm for your butterfly robot, like show us how that works. Oh, well, there are all these different parameters that you, you know what I mean, like people probably would be interested in that, but I don't think that's mind-blowing at that point. I think it's just like almost a documentary, I guess. I I think what I tried to do is like longer episodes of what conceptually is mind-blowing was the invention of series, cuz that to me was like here's one topic, like friendship, and here's like Twelve minutes or whatever, fifteen minutes of every angle that I can conceive of that will blow your mind about thinking about something like friendship or music or dragons. Um, I don't know. What What do you think about that? That to me was more of my attempt at doing like a singular topic extension of what I would consider to be like mind blowing information.
1: I think that's accurate. That you you started to think thematically. Think about big questions, big themes, and then and then do a, a pretty serious deep dive into that theme. Um, but you were kind of you were kind of showing all the mind blowing things about a subject we take for granted and we don't think about a whole lot. Uh, I don't think about why I have a cat. Like right, and it's it's weird because I don't let other animals into my house if. If an, if an animal just ran in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, oh, this is good. I will (laughs) feed it regularly. I really hope it stays. I will make sure that it has uh, timely and adequate medical care until the the end of its days. I don't think that about anything that runs into my house, but I do think that about my cat and there's a lot to unpack there. And that's what you started to do was take friendship and pets and the color blue, uh, and, and unravel you you would pull on the string and show that it was a lot deeper and more connected than we realized and it was cool to see that from the outside uh because i did i did watch somebody put together uh, trillions of 30 second clips that were mind-blowing things and then for years uh and do a very good job with that but then do the complete opposite and also do a very good job with that. That was a pretty cool transition to see. Um, you know, I know it was a risk to go into the longer form content like that because it was completely different. Uh, but you laid out all the reasons why you had to and why it made a lot of sense from production to uh, to the audience changing, their expectations changing to YouTube serving the content, you know, in the very real implications and ramifications of that from AdSense to sponsorships and the things that allow you to keep making videos and to make more of them.
0: Well, that's uh, why those videos stopped yeah. though, because it's, they took me too long. Yeah. I I would read like nine books about like pets to make a pet video. And then all of a sudden it's been seven weeks and I haven't put a video out. And it's like, yeah. um, there are a lot of channels that can operate that way, but look, Like the only way you can really afford, and I mean afford to get away with that, is if those videos get several million views. If your video gets several million views every time you drop Mm -hmm. one every couple of months, that's totally sustainable. And you can, you know, pay your bills. You could probably, you know, hire an editor, um, whatever. That's Um, the, the Michael Reeves model.
1: You know, like you, you put out a video kind of when you want to, when, when you have a thing that comes together in such a way that your video is ready uh, rather than, you know, whatever you read on the the guru uh, websites, which anybody in the baby gang on the discord, I've been raging at online gurus for a while and not like the ones that coffee break uh, goes nuts over it. Like he, he hits scam artists and the, the like real estate programs that are trash and all that. But I mean like the garden variety gurus that I think suck, uh, that are like, Oh, here are the five things you need to do to make your YouTube channel bang. You know, it's like, make sure you release content two to three times a week. Uh, Like, no, not everybody can do that. Not every subject, uh, allows you to do that. Like very few, a vlog channel can do that. You know, if, if a family has a family blog, like, yeah, you can talk about something with your kids every three days, but how is Kevin Lieber of Vsauce2 going to do that in a way that his audience is happy with? Probably can't. Uh, so, but, but yeah, I mean, it's the opposite of that, that once in a, a a while formula that Michael Reeves does so well, he can pull it off. Uh, you pulled it off for a while, but ultimately That's, that's hard to do
0: unless you are pretty sure you're going to get three, four million views every single time. Yeah. Yeah. They all have to be home runs at that point. You can't have, you can't hit singles. If you're releasing one video every two months, you just can't. Um, so yeah. So then, um, that's where the, the whiteboard, uh, videos came in and doing the paradoxes and the math games. And it's not like those can get turned around every three days either, but no, they don't take two months. <laughs> so there is like a, they don't take two months. No. There is like a much better compromise. And uh, I also, as far as like the invention of series, those were the videos I wanted to do. Like I didn't have, it's weird to say I didn't have any other ideas, but I didn't have any other topics that I really wanted to ex- explore personally in depth beyond those that I did. Like I did pets. I did friendship. I did collecting, which I was really interested in. Like, why do we collect things? That was always weird to me.
1: University is using that, uh, using that video in, in, uh, their first year curriculum. And I think that's a pretty cool thing and a testament to how high level that video is without seeming high level. It seems like it's something that anybody, uh, who's like eight years old on up uh, would get some value out of, uh, but they're considering it in a, in a pretty
0: heavy capacity. I think that's very cool. The national baseball hall of fame plays it too regularly. Yes, they do. Yeah. The collecting one. Cause yeah. it's so heavily about Jefferson Burdick's uh baseball card collection. So there's a one-to-one right. connection there, but, um, yeah, the invention well, of we, blue, um, dragons. Oh yeah. You had a,
1: a bunch
0: of, how many in the invention series? About 10, um, yeah. Yeah, a less. I don't remember, but there was one about recording ourselves, like the history of recording ourselves is, I always thought was a weird idea. So, you know, I explored that, made that video, um, um, job o- obsolescence or, you know, like automation Yep, robots replacing yep. us. That was the first Will one. Robots
1: make us human was excellent. Series.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, a, aside from the, the, them taking too long, um, they're, Weirdly enough, there just wasn't anything else that I really wanted to like read nine books about and make a video on.
1: Well, I, I want to generalize this before we hit the questions from everybody in the, in the live show. So how, how does somebody know when it's time to kill a project? When has something run its course? When do they uh, pull the plug on that? How do they know? You know, you, you knew about when to actually let's back up. Do you think that you p- pulled the plug on mind blow at the right time or should you have done it sooner?
0: I should have done it sooner. I should have How done it much much sooner? sooner. Um, I mean, not that much sooner, but, um, well, I don't know. Like I could, I maybe, maybe I should have done it a lot sooner actually. Um, like six months or a year or what? So I was initially going to say six months, but then I was like, maybe I should have done it like two years earlier. What? Wow, and really, that's really a lot. Yeah, but 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 from my perspective, like I'll just talk about the other Vsauce channels. Like I was still doing best of the web aggregation content way later than Michael or Jake, than Vsauce one okay. or Vsauce three. I carried that torch so much longer than they did, and maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should have started doing. Um, like single topic deep dive videos. Um, Cause there was, there was, yeah, Chinchilla in the chat says, Jake is still doing it. Sometimes like he'll still make, like recently he made a a dong episode, which, you know, stands for do on now, do online now guys. Um, Mm -hmm. And he made an app all night, which uh, I saw
1: that on Twitter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is a, a show where it's a collection of, of cool apps you can play. But um, he really grew very quickly. When he kind of stopped doing that regularly and was just doing the science of video games and movies mm-hmm. videos, pretty much primarily. That's really how Vsauce three blew up. And I was still doing. I just had done so many shows on Vsauce two. There are literally entire shows I have forgotten about,
1: and I'm oh, not that's, exaggerating. <laughs> that speaks to how many things were on there and how long ago it was. Yeah, I had I had a food show called Grub.
0: And I don't even I don't, remember I don't remember that. I don't know at all. Yeah, I don't even. Remember I do not remember videos grub. were in that series. <laughs> like the food video, I think there was one about like fast food around the world. There was one where I ate like weird celebrity meals. I ate like an armadillo. Armadillo meat. Um, yeah, Tom, Tom just put That's it. Weird. The, Tom just put the grub uh, <laughs> playlist in the chat. Oh yeah, incredible food from around the world. Grub yeah like i had a food show like it's it's ridiculous how can we generalize your experience uh
1: to Uh, let me answer what everybody's doing though so your your question initially
0: was like when the first question was like when do you know when to pull the plug so yes right because
1: everybody's doing a thing and like everybody's doing something or maybe they're in a job and they don't know when to move on from that job like there are a whole lot of of stopping scenarios and and there's even that branch of mathematics about optimal stopping you know you did a video um god i can't remember what it's uh, called the game you quit. but i had green post notes yeah the game, the game, game you, you quit. quit right right yeah because deciding when to quit and if to quit is a very serious
0: force in everyday life how do you how do you know with so, a creative project I'm glad you know? that you brought up the game, the the game you quit, and optimal stopping theory. So I do think optimal stopping theory would have stated that I should have stopped doing those best of the web shows like a, like probably two years before I actually did. I think that right. would have been optimal. Um, the point at which I knew that I had to stop doing Mind Blow was the point at which I recognized I have had exhausted all of the ideas and the ways I could envision it being successful. I couldn't, there were so many changes that I tried that didn't work, that I was out of ideas on how to make Mm -hmm. it work. So at that point I I had run out of runway and that was it. I was like, I can't even seek. I cannot even think of another thing to try. It's time to move on. That makes sense. That makes
1: sense. And when you've exhausted all options, you, you definitely got to go. Um, You can go before that. Like you said, you could have gone earlier had you kind of put the pieces together and, uh, and made a leap. I mean, the nice thing about waiting a long time and knowing for sure that it's done is that, you know, it's done right. Anytime before that. Sure. Yeah. There's no second guessing. Uh, anytime before that, there's going to be some element. Um, anybody who's written things, knows that they've started writing something and not finished it and that they they haven't gone back to it they think they're going to go back to it it's not like they made a conscious decision to quit a thing sometimes you do but generally it's more of an abandonment issue you know you ghost your own creative project and that's that's kind of you deciding that it's time to quit on a thing because that isn't valuable or there's simply another option that is better um it doesn't feel good <laughs> to put a lot of time into something and uh, and then just stop doing it. But that's kind of how it works, you know. You've got to you've got to know when the right move for you is
0: doing something else. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's just creative projects. I mean, you could you could probably uh, take that advice on a number of things. Yeah, it's relationships. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's jobs. Um, living situations.
1: Uh, yeah. It, it truly is like optimal stopping is a thing because it needs to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, just pops and- up everywhere and it, you just have to be super, super honest. It helps to have people around you too, that you can talk to about the things because they can be honest with you in ways that you may not be able to be honest, like with yourself in that same way. Um, mm-hmm. somebody can look and just say, you can do a better job. You know, here's how YouTube is. Um, you can shift over to a different type of content and it's going to improve X, Y, and Z. This makes a lot of sense to you. Well, and it's easier to say, well, okay, I'll think about this and, and maybe do it. Uh, it does help to have somebody point out, you know, point out the problems. Like we've talked about this many, many times, how useful it is to have people to bounce things off from and finding somebody who you can flat out ask, is it time for me to do something else? And know that you'll get an honest response, a thoughtful response that you can really consider. That is hugely, hugely important. Um, you know, I, I wasn't in a position to tell you that in 2015 or 2016. Like, I didn't, I didn't have the knowledge to do that. You know, so I wasn't that person for you. Um, I'm thinking of all the things that I've done where I, I wish I'd stopped much, much sooner. But I didn't have anybody to tell me. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the, one of the really cruddy things about doing projects alone is that you do not necessarily have somebody around you who understands that project well enough to tell you when to kill it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We talk about like advice and mentorship and all of this great stuff. Well, also you need people who can tell you to stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To tell you that something is stupid in this other thing is a way better use of your time and talent. Or it fits better in the marketplace, or whatever reason that has to be a green light, compare that to the thing that you need to put a red light on, yeah, it's huge,
0: yeah, yeah. I have a lot of examples of that in my personal life. The first college that I went to was an example of that. Mm. Um, you know, I went to Drexel University for computer science, and I would have stayed there had my parents were basically like, you this is not for you. You should. You should stop going there. Like you should, you should just leave. You should just leave college. This was not long after I had been there and I was like, what? They're like, yeah. Um, you know, this is obviously not like the path for you. You should just What's your life
1: like? Yeah. What's your life like today? If you didn't have somebody tell you that, what, what, what city are you working in, in a tiny cubicle with, with like amiibo
0: figures on I, I would have. I would have freaked out and I never would have done that anyway. But they knew that about me and I didn't know that about myself. Um, like some and and that's kind of like my point, and I think your point ultimately here is that there will you need to have people in your life that in some ways know you better than you know yourself. In some ways. Yeah, Obviously, not in all way ways, because up. that's completely impossible and ridiculous. But I can guarantee you there are people in your life that know things about you that you don't know about you. (laughs) Totally. Yeah.
1: I think virtually everybody has that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds nutty. It sounds crazy, but it's absolutely true. And it's, it's freaky when you start to see it in action, but eventually you come to value that and rely on it in a way. And it's extremely powerful when you have allies like that. You know, where (laughs) you, you can trust somebody's judgment and know that they actually know you
0: well enough to be useful, you know, to help you, to truly help you. Yeah. 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 Because they can, they can, I mean, that's what my, you know, my, my parents saw me struggling with the computer science stuff and, and they knew about me. They knew like, you are not going to be happy Going down this path, like we know this about you, even though you think you're convinced like this is like your college major and you have to have like a Mm -hmm. prestigious college major, or else you're 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 nothing, you know, because this is, you know, this is America and you are the age of a college student. So you have to go to a very expensive private university and you have to get a degree in which, you know, a science degree so that you know you can use, like, post-graduation and get, like, a great job and get paid X amount of dollars a year and the health insurance, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's what I had in my head. And they were the ones who were like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, that is a, a wonderful path for, for you know, plenty of people, but not for you. Just and, not the Kev No. No. that would not have worked out for me Um, and then i i was surprised
1: i mean i didn't i didn't know you 20 years ago as well as i do now but i i would not have really pegged you as somebody going into that that track i don't know if i would have uh had a good suggestion for you but but yeah no it seems like a surprise unexpected
0: yeah it just just went back to the yeah the fact we've talked about on other podcasts where i yeah, I just had never been exposed to like creative disciplines before, so I just figured, well, yes. I like computers, yeah. and this major is about computers, so I guess I'll be a computer major. And that did not, that did not work out for me. But I would have stayed at Drexel. I probably would have gotten straight Cs, and uh, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. And I would have had a lot of debt because it was expensive. Um, yeah. Things would have been
1: very different in the end. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would have had the flexibility. I don't think later, I definitely would have not have had the flexibility later to just be like, I'm just going to work at a chicken wing joint and make YouTube videos in my spare time.
1: No, no, you would have, you would have been grinding on something you
0: probably didn't want,
1: uh, just to keep up with normal expenses and, and yeah. paying off the student loans and the rest. And no, it definitely worked degree. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? You wouldn't, after putting that in, it, it is kind of the sunk cost fallacy. And this is, you know, that's something that I dealt with a lot, a lot, a lot, because I've never, I've never worked in a field that I studied. Well, that's not true, but I've never, uh, yeah, I've never had uh, like a W-2 job in the fields I studied. And that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had the flexibility to do other things and that was awesome. And if I, if I'd stuck with it, if I'd, if I'd bought into that sunk cost fallacy where it's like, Oh, I, I, uh, Oh, Boromir. Sorry, by the way, happy birthday Boromir. Yes. He asks W2 job. Uh, W2 is the tax form you get in the U S that are wages associated with full-time employment or, uh, part-time employment too. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's above being like a freelancer. You're an actual employee. So, you know, a W-2 job is like your main job. Um, But yeah, if you believe in the sunk cost thing, you're like, okay, I did this for four years in school, maybe longer. Maybe you got a master's. Maybe you just took five or six years to graduate for a lot of reasons. Uh, It's like, well, I've got to make use of it. You know, that crushes your ability to do other things, to stay in that field. And I had people, you know, who, who told me, you don't have to do this. You can do other things. So, you know, things worked out for both of us, partly because we, we have people to help us change paths mm-hmm. and, and use our talents in a
0: way that's. And we listen though. Like that's the other know, thing. That's true. <laughs> you also yeah. have to be willing to, <laughs> to listen. If people give you advice that you might not want to hear,
1: um, it's important. I don't want to, to be too have... self-congratulatory about it, but you're right. We had the good sense to take that advice.
0: And, not and, and a lot of people don't. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I didn't really fight it at all.
0: Like an egomaniac about it. Like you have to sometimes be like, yeah, uh, what I'm doing is stupid. I've made a bad choice and I probably should at least attempt to rectify that in some manner. Like That's, that's not necessarily an easy thing to do either. Well,
1: we have a few questions. Okay. Well, well we before can, we get we to the questions, with. let me just oh, say- yeah.
0: Um, as long winded as that was about the story of mind blow, um, I think that will give you an indication as to why I haven't really like made a tweet about it. <laughs> uh, because oh, it, how can uh, you
1: express that properly? It's like
0: how it, yeah, it took me about an hour to explain what happened to that show. So there you go.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. Although the first question calls into question everything that you've said for a while here this is from jake roper of vsauce three he wants to know whether you have talked about how you stopped you actually stopped mind blow because you sold the show concept to the mexican cartel for ten dollars can you address that um i don't know if that's a typo if he meant ten thousand ten million i assume ten million
0: yeah i was gonna say um none of that makes sense so um what, what is the Mexican cartel doing with mind Blow? <laughs> uh, they're entertaining each other as they smuggle goods across the border with scientific discoveries.
1: The truth then, now that everybody's gotten the lie of, of mind blows, life and death, the truth with the Mexican cartel will have to be another episode.
0: I suppose so. Um, yeah.
1: Jeff, this one's for you. Cause I have no answer to it. Um, Kevin, how do you, this is from Jeff. How do you feel about the Borderlands games?
0: Oh, uh, well, I've never played Borderlands one, but I did play Borderlands two a bit. Um, co-op with my wife back in the day. And, uh, I thought it was fun. I like the mixture of, uh, kind of like RPG elements with a first person shooter. We started playing, uh, destiny two last week, which is also kind of like a first person shooter online co-op RPG sort of thing. And, uh, mono mono calls it a looter shooter okay i did i didn't know that I, i'm so i'm so it's a great um, term like unfamiliar most for the most part with first person shooters um mostly i play role-playing games but the the ones that mix the rpg elements i think are pretty pretty cool looter shooters i like that
1: yeah that's good i'm surprised i haven't heard that um we'll go back to jake this is from elevensies
0: what do you think of jake's only fans I was shocked because let me tell you, he did not run that by me. Um, Really? Usually Jake Roper will run by, uh, you know, titles and thumbnails by me before, or, or even the video itself before he releases it to the public. This one blindsided me. So I might need to have a conversation with him about that. Maybe he, maybe that was his intent. He just wanted to not only shock the world, but shock me as well. And he did. I wish him well, though. It certainly worked. Yeah, me too. Good luck with the
1: OF. Um, we have two that are kind of together here. Um, Base Wade asks, "What's on our Christmas list?" And Andrew asks, "What are good Christmas list items to ask for?" I don't know if these are going to be the same answer or not. I think mine. I think mine are excellent. Like they, they satisfy both questions. But I don't know what's on your list.
0: Mm, I don't, Do you have well, anything
1: on your list yet?
0: I don't really have a list, no. Um, I don't really make a list, but um, yeah, my my. Uh, I mean, I only get gifts. Sometimes I get gifts from my parents still, and they'll usually get me some sort of like winter jacket. <laughs> that seems to be like the go-to th- or like sweater, um, you know, because it gets very cold in the winters here. Um, but my wife is a phenomenal uh, gift giver.
1: She, she really always, is.
0: uh yeah, it's like a serious she, talent. She's probably the best. Yeah. So I never have any idea what I'm going to get. It's always a surprise, which is the fun part. That's if you're just gonna get the thing that you I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. But to me, it's like if you're just getting the thing that you asked somebody to give to you. It's like, hey, thanks. <laughs> for getting the thing that i told you to get for me i don't know like that's fine if people want to do that but to me it's like i don't see a whole lot of uh excitement there unless i mean i don't know what are your thoughts on that i want i, don't, I, I want blo- i want
1: cheese in block form i haven't really eaten any cheese in 2020 um i've had some sliced cheese but but i haven't Had like a two
0: pound block of extra sharp cheddar. I knew yours was going to be food, but I thought it was going to be some sort of like meat preparation device. (laughs) Well, no, I I have a lot
1: of that, but I, I was thinking a couple weeks ago, I just have not eaten cheese in a really long time. I love sharp cheddar. When we went, do you remember that wheel of cheese that I bought when we were in the Dutch islands? No. Do you remember that? I bought a 10 pound wheel of Gouda on the The way back
0: islands, what Dutch islands, uh, from the cruise.
1: So like St. Martin and all those are, are actually, you know, Netherlands territory. And so the, the shops that they had, you know, they had all of this
0: Gouda and Dutch cheese.
1: It was amazing. I mean, I I have said before that my memory
0: is bad. I don't remember anything about that, any of that at all. It was huge.
1: I mean, it it must've been, um, it must've been, over you know twelve to sixteen inches across and probably six inches deep. Was it so awesome? So it it was outstanding. It was so <laughs> so good. Yeah. How
0: yeah. did you eat it? How did you did you eat it with crackers or by itself or did you I melt did. it? I
1: cut it into big pieces and gave those to my family. So that you know, like if you cut it into tenths, like everybody gets a pound. Uh, but yeah, I I baked some. You know, just ate some straight, no chaser. Uh, put some with, you know, crackers and stuff. It was amazing as grilled cheese. You know, I had a lot of cheese to use, so I used it a lot of different ways, but, but yeah, I haven't had cheese in block format. That's why I thought, well, this is a good gift for everybody. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, because...
0: I'm thinking of you talking about, you had to use it in so many different ways and thinking about uh, Bubba, what is it, Bubba Gump who's, oh, with uh, bu- shrimp. Bubba from Forrest <laughs> Gump talking about like like 98 ways to prepare shrimp, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you, that's you with your endless block of with cheese. My Dutch Gouda. <laughs> <laughs> Fried cheese cheese sandwich brick of cheese cheese on cracker <laughs> eggs and cheese <laughs> it's a good gift
1: for everybody if somebody's lactose intolerant they should be punished so it's a good <laughs> well, I think gift they are for them punished when they eat the cheese they are yeah and by the way google that sometime everybody listening google lactose toleration globally because the map of it is really fascinating i did not realize when i was young that that it's a regional thing. There are huge swaths of the world that are lactose intolerant and the U.S. is, is not one of them. Uh, but when you go higher or lower, the the percentage of people who tolerate lactose, it, it just, it plummets. It plummets. Like, I forget what what Africa's uh,
0: toleration percentage is, but it's like 30, 40%. It's crazy. Well, have you read about that? Because from what I understand, and it's been a while since I read about it, Everyone was lactose intolerant until not long ago. And then there was some, uh, like, I'm going to butcher the history of this, but you could Google this. There, yeah. there, There is like a story about some small region that was able to start breaking down and digesting or whatever, like horse milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like eventually, you know, um, they procreated enough that other people could tolerate horse milk or whatever it was but do, is, this, is this ringing any bells it is it definitely had to be a process
1: and people are posting in the chat these maps by the way Kevin I don't know if you've seen it but take a look at this the the red parts or the dark parts and some of the the blue scale maps like their entire continents they have trouble with cheese
0: yeah I've I, I've read about Just this awful. before it's a really interesting story and I, I, I wish that I remembered yeah. it better but if anybody really wants to Google and read about a very interesting story that you never would have thought was interesting then yes read about the yeah <laughs> juliana in the chat says the invention of lactose ingesting homo sapiens that should have been my last invention that of series. could be a video the invention of digesting milk yeah
1: there's still time there's still it, time to do it yeah um the last little bit is also from Baseway. He he just wants need to tell him something and i'm gonna what i'm gonna do on this is it's very quick it's very short the chat's actually already seen it because i kind of slipped and uh, uh copy pasted and sent the thing that i had for an answer to this i meant to put it in a document so i wouldn't forget but i accidentally put it in the discord chat so the live viewers will may have seen this but it's important to know when we were talking about storage um i came across this a couple weeks ago We were talking about the data on floppy disks. Well, one single sperm has 37.5 megabytes of DNA information on it. What that means is that to store all the data from a single sperm, you would need 26 of those floppy disks I was talking about earlier. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's a mind blow. 26 floppies for the data of one sperm. Wow. Yeah. You know, and you were talking, uh, Kevin, a few weeks ago. I guess it was it was us talking, not on a platform somewhere about uh, transporting data and teleportation and how that's that's an obstacle because the the sheer volume of data that has to move is outrageous. And this plays into that where, hey, if you need 26 disks
0: uh, for that one cell, what's it what's it like for a whole body? Oh, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. But I know the analogy, um, and the analogy is that to teleport like a a human body's worth of information just from, you know, Earth to a spot in orbit right above us uh, would take, I think, I think 350,000 times longer than the universe has existed.
1: (laughs) Um, Bro, that's right. Oh, yeah, you pasted something about that, and it was untenable. It it was just like. Not even possible. It's
0: not something you can comprehend, like even a little bit. I mean, the universe right. is like fourteen billion years old. So to tell, yeah, just to transfer that Which amount of I have data, no sense of would take three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, it's all it's all just gobbledygook. They're at just that point. numbers at that point. Yeah, you can't. What does
1: that mean? Look, we were we were how many times were we talking about how oh this thing happened? Was it four years ago or seven years ago? It doesn't take a whole lot of time before we can't really process it. So. Yeah. You know, we, when we're going tens and hundreds of thousands of years, it's completely hopeless.
0: Uh, Yeah. No, like hundreds of, yeah. No. Like trillions of billions. Hopeless. Are there any other and questions? And that's the,
1: uh, no, we've got one more, but it's going to be too long. We'll save it for next time.
0: Oh, okay. Cool.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good one about uh, the origins of the baby gang, where that name came from. And and to go over the whole scenario and how it, developed and the the utter awkwardness that we caused talking about it in front of in front of those people um it just takes a little more time than i think we have
0: all right well um i hope that this was an illuminating podcast into the world of vsauce 2 and how things have changed i mean there's we could do equally probably long episodes about any number of shows over the years but But honestly, I think that this mind blow story encapsulates a lot of the evolution of the channel and kind of, you know, where it's at today. But um,
1: it's extremely representative of what everybody else is working on, too. And the YouTube channels that haven't faced uh, faced an issue like this, they're going to most of the YouTubers you're fans of have not been around long enough to go through this cycle.
0: Oh, that's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. Very few of the people we've talked to have, have gone through that cycle. You know, I think of Glozell being the super obvious example of, of having to crush some formats and, and move on and reinvent and all that stuff. But yeah, most people haven't been around long enough to have to reinvent, to have to kill the thing that got them notoriety. But if it hasn't happened to you, it is going to happen.
0: Well, and you can also look around at people who are still making the same thing. And it's not going well, and but they just refuse to. Uh, Charles Kahn says pivot. Yeah, they refuse to pivot. Yeah. It's like uh, you might want to pivot. You might want to pivot. That's the word of the day. Really, I like evolve better though. Because pivot just seems like you're making a turn, but really, it's such an iterative sometimes process that, works. that you know. Yeah, sometimes that's a lot of
1: steps. Most of the time, I think it's a lot more similar to yours, where you do a substantially different thing. Uh, but if you can pivot so much, the better, like, that's cool. If you can adjust, that's awesome. Uh, but sometimes you just need to leap. You need to leave, (laughs) you know, go to a different place,
0: put your feet somewhere else rather than, than twisting around. But yeah, both can work. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. All right. Well, um, thank you to all of our patrons and thank you to all of the new people who, who joined, um, the discord to, to listen to this and hopped in. That was really, really, really cool to see. If if you want to join us for our future recordings, we're always here every Wednesday, six p.m. Eastern. Just join the except uh, Patreon. for right now, except for which right now, is
1: the rare Thursday. We had to push by a day, but that's the first time that we've done that in many, many, many weeks. So Wednesday,
0: six p.m. is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Just go to patreon.com/slash/thecreateunknown. Become a two-dollar tot. Start there. Just start as a little tater tot, and then. Who knows? Who knows where, where it will go? <laughs> Who knows how you'll evolve into a, you know, a French fry and then eventually a whole baby potato. Stranger things have occurred. That is a mind blow. But yeah, thanks again to everyone for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any other questions about mind blow, uh, keep them to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, join, but join ask the Devin daily for the next, ask him daily until 2024. Ask me forever. No, I don't really see stuff on uh, Twitter or Facebook, um, but I will in the Discord. So join us, join the Discord. You can find the links everywhere. And um, yeah, until then, we will see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to the Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and a
1: congratulations to the listeners who made our Save the Babies Drive a success. Many new $2 Tots and Dumpster Crew members, you have saved tiny little lives. A tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang. Trev's Dead, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Cat, Isaac, Conrad, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and our newest Sweet Little Babies. Dojangles and the Catboy later met. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry: Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E. Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebred, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monahim, and the newest recruit, Private First Class Ryan Kinder. Thank you to our producer and editor Ben Webster and our social media manager Dan Yoshua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production.